we again turn our attention to these precious words that are given to us in the book of Luke chapter 11. And over and over again, as we've studied these precious words, we've encountered these circumstances when Jesus preached his message of salvation, and as he taught the people, he also would bless many of them by healing them of their diseases and their infirmities, giving sight to the blind and healing crippled and maimed people, and on and on. And also it seems often that as he would heal some of those people, their sickness and their diseases or being caused by unclean demonic spirits. And as Jesus would drive those demonic spirits out of those people, they would be completely healed. And now here today, in this passage given to us in Luke chapter 11, we find another of those afflictions with the cause clearly being brought about by an oppressive demon. In this circumstance, a demon that caused a man to be unable to speak. And Jesus healed this man by driving this demon out of him. And so my question for us as we begin today, it's one that I've asked us on several other occasions. How willing are we, how willing are you and I to accept that these sorts of demonically inflicted illnesses are taking place within many of the people of our day? Even perhaps within people that we know personally. And how willing are we to accept that other forms of demonic influences are also present within our society, within our culture, even within our own neighborhoods? Influences that manifest themselves in strange and evil behaviors within people's lives and in their families, causing them to make choices that they should not make and to do things that they really should not do? Or will we choose instead to blindly refuse to believe that such things are really real? I have a good friend that has said to me on more than one occasion that he just does not look for a demon behind every bush. In other words, he does not want to acknowledge that there are still demonic influence in so many of the things that are taking place today. And so the question is, will we choose ourselves to instead refuse to believe that such things are really real? Seeing only the faces of real people and denying the involvement of the demonic realm. And then along with that denial, actually deny the precious truth about the ministry that the Lord Jesus wants to have within the matters of our own daily lives. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 11. And let's read about this matter of this demonic influence. This is beginning in verse 14. Follow along with me in Luke chapter 11. Verse 14. And he, this is the Lord Jesus, was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation 
and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Now may I say again that there are many ways that we can deny the Lord Jesus. And there are many reasons why we choose to do it. And we don't even realize most of the time when that's taking place within us. But we do. Just within the rush of our doing the ordinary things of the ordinary day that we're in, we can deny the Lord Jesus. For myself, as I navigate my way through all these many occurrences that take place in my day, seeing the sinful behaviors and the conduct of people around me, and especially those people that are prominent within our news media, I can easily see and know that the sinful and immoral things that are taking place are beyond the boundaries of ordinary common rationale. Things that are taking place in our nation today, in the culture around us, it simply does not make sense. They do things that do not make sense. They say things that do not make sense. And though I'm able to know that the remedy for all of those sinful behaviors is beyond the abilities of human intelligence to do, too often, instead of quickly turning to the Lord Jesus in prayer, it seems that my mind wants to first turn to some normal human secular answer to what I'm seeing take place. I don't want to do that, but that takes place within me. Because it's so much easier for our rational minds to simply dismiss all that that's taking place, that bad behavior, the conducts of all those people, concluding that those people are just mean, or they're just angry, or they have bad habits, or some other excuse. Never stopping to realize and to accept that there's probably something far more sinister that's taking place within those people and within those circumstances. Now, a question that I've posed to myself is our reaching for those common sense explanations like those are just angry people. Is our reaching for those common sense explanations a denial of Christ? Are they a denial of Christ? Maybe, not always, but I do think, I do fear that too often it might be taking place, at least within myself. And I don't want that to happen. Here in our scripture passage for today, we have a denial of Christ taking place. Not of His power or of His provision, because that's evident from the miracle that He performed. But rather, it's a denial of who He is. A denial of who Christ is, of His character and of His holiness. And yes, that kind of denial is a lot worse than the inadvertent use of our common sense. But to deny that God is God and to accuse Him of joining forces with the devil, and then to further denigrate the Lord Jesus by accusing Him of being subservient to the devil, so much so that He needs the devil's help to cast out those demons. Folks, that's pure blasphemy. That's what those scribes and Pharisees were doing that day. Pure blasphemy. With only their common sense to guide them. They could only believe that Jesus was just an ordinary man and not the all-powerful Messiah. They didn't believe that Jesus, as an ordinary man, had the ability to cast out demons. 
and neither did he have the ability to call upon God to do it. But rather, instead, that he had to depend upon the power of Satan to do those things. And that was a complete denial of who Jesus was and of his holiness. And though the Pharisees probably didn't realize that they themselves were joining in with Bill's above as they made their accusations towards Jesus. But they obviously were. Their behavior proved it. And again, as I mentioned a moment ago, our own denial of Christ, of who He is, of His person, of His godly character, of His presence among us, of His power, of His provision, that can also take place within our own souls in so many ways and for so many reasons. Here in our passage, these Pharisees were simply doing what they usually did. It seemed to be their preoccupation to follow Jesus around the countryside to subvert his ministry of salvation to the people. And to do that effectively, they had to continually discredit him, to deny who he really was, the Messiah, the one who... They had read so many prophecies about in their scriptures that would come to save his people from their sins. Here in this particular circumstance, the Pharisees couldn't deny the miracle itself. They saw what had taken place. It was obvious that Jesus had cast out a demon and he had cured this affliction of this man who had been unable to speak. But they still needed a way to discredit him. And this was their ploy to accuse him of being in league with Satan. Now let's also remember that Satan and his demons, they work in so many other ways. Here a demon had been able to keep a man from being able to talk. But listen, I have no doubt that Satan and his demons were also within the minds and the voices of those Pharisees as they slandered the character of the Lord Jesus. Now let me go back and read these words for us, and I want us to consider them uh, carefully. This is verse 14 again. As he was casting out a demon, it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons, Satan. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. That's a very important statement right there at the end. A house divided against itself falls. Now, here in verse 17 that I read, But he, knowing their thoughts... Jesus knew everything that those scribes and those Pharisees were thinking. He always did, and He always does now, folks. He knows what every person, each one of us, each one of us is thinking every moment of every day, and right at this moment in particular. He knows what we're thinking. And also, here in this miracle, Jesus healed a man of the inability to speak. And as He healed the man, He also clearly and distinctly showed that the man's affliction had been caused by a demon. He did that on purpose. And that also tells us something about how the demonic kingdom actually functions. Here this particular demon had the ability to make a person mute, speechless, unable to talk. 
In other words, the inference from this particular scripture is that demons can have particular abilities and they have purposes assigned to them as they afflict people. And the inference is further that if this demon was specifically able to take away a man's speech, then other demons may have other specific abilities and purposes, such as you will recall the demoniac in the Gadarene tombs. He was a very violent man, so the demons within him made him very violent. And then in other places in the scriptures, we can read that other demons cause blindness, and other demons cause deafness. Others would cause epilepsy. Other demons would cause crippling paralysis. Others would cause mental disorders. And the people were cured of their afflictions only when a demon was cast out of them. And all of this presents us with a question that I asked a few moments ago. Is there more taking place within our present day illnesses, our diseases, our behaviors, than just the ordinary matters of human life? When you see all of the different occurrences of illnesses, but especially violent behavior of the things that are taking place in our culture, is that being caused simply because or by people's own bad behavior? Or is something more at work within them? Because that's especially of concern when we consider all the many violent behaviors that we see in the news media. Behaviors that are attributed to something that they would perhaps say was a mental disorder. And folks, listen, that question is especially important in light of the fact that as we're treated for those conditions, we're seldom, if ever, fully cured of our problems. When Jesus would cast out a demon, those people would be cured. But today, all we do is we take enough medication to enable us to live with our afflictions. We're never cured. We simply take medication so that we can live with our afflictions. That ought to bring questions to our mind. And so, again, is it always and simply as our medical professionals and our societal leaders insist that all of our difficulties and all of our miseries are attributable to physical and mental maladies? Never considering never once mentioning the possible involvement of the demonic kingdom. Folks, you have never heard a professional doctor mentioning the word demonic. They don't do that. And if that be so, if our doctors are right, what has happened to all of the demons that used to roam the earth and make all those people miserable back in Jesus' day? Did they simply go away? Are they no longer a factor in our modern day lives. Folks, let me strongly declare to you that the answer to those questions is an emphatic no. These scriptures make no mention that the demons will ever go away. If anything, these scriptures indicate that the demonic kingdom will get far worse, far more active as we journey on towards the end of days. We're clearly warned about that in Ephesians chapter 6. Listen to these words. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the might of his power. Put on the full armor of God and listen, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but listen, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. So then again, no. No, there is no indication that the demons have gone away or will ever go away. To the contrary, the demons are still here and they are as active and they are as hurtful and as crippling and as destructive as they've ever been. And that can also be within the behaviors and the conduct of ordinary people. Now, before I say these next words, I'd like to give you a warning about them. As I've considered them, it seems that some of my words might sound like my own personal opinions rather than coming out from these scriptures. And I don't ever want that to be. I don't ever want to give you my personal opinions. I do believe that what I'm going to say to you does fit within the context of the scripture that we're studying here. That of the demonic world involving itself within the widespread denial of Christ and of His holy intentions for our souls as we live in our own crooked and perverse generation. And again, as I said a moment ago, the denial of the Lord Jesus can take place on many levels, in many forms. One in particular that seems to be taking place within the churches this is within the churches of our day, is the insistence that the only purpose that Jesus has among us is to love us. That sounds so sweet. And so they do preach that. They insist that, that the only purpose that Jesus has among us today is to love us. And with the common sense rationale of those modern day church leaders, they further believe that because Jesus has such a great love for us and doesn't desire that any of us should perish, Scripture says that. He doesn't desire for any of us to perish. But that Jesus would love us so much and that He doesn't desire for any of us to perish that He is willing to forfeit His own holiness and willing to accept any and all behavior and conduct that we would show within our lives and our lifestyles in order to bring us safely into the kingdom of God and into heaven. Folks, the effect of that kind of corrupt belief, that kind of religion, is for Jesus to do as he was accused of here in this passage. That of joining in leagues with the devil himself. That Jesus is so desirous of saving people that he would give up his holiness so that he could welcome all of the sinful people and their sinful behaviors into his eternal kingdom. He doesn't say, go and sin no more in these modern days. Within these churches, they do not say to these people, you're welcome into our church, but go and sin no more. They welcome in all of their wicked behaviors along with these people. I'm speaking specifically about the over-the-top evil demands that are being voiced throughout all of our culture today. Those demands that are called social issues. Social issues. Issues like gender confusion, gender dysphoria, transgenderism. Those radical beliefs that are involved in woke politics. And the widespread demand that homosexual behavior be accepted as an absolutely normal behavior. 
And, and the list goes on and on. The current focus of attention by the demonic world has been so very influencing, even controlling upon the minds and the personalities of our society and our culture. They're fully changing the social norms, bringing a full acceptance of the behaviors and the conduct. And this is all taking place in these last few short years. They're bringing in beliefs that just a few years ago would be unconscionable. Unconscionable beliefs and behaviors like that of full acceptance and even encouragement of the mutilation of the bodies of our precious children. And even further, they're passing laws that are being put into place to make it a crime to oppose or to even voice an opposition to that kind of perverse behavior. And listen, those beliefs have cleverly worked their way into many of the churches and into the church settings. And with that being so, many of our churches and our church leaders of today have chosen to openly advocate that although those people openly and freely practice their sinful behaviors, Jesus lovingly and fully accepts and approves of them and their behaviors just as they are. How many times have you sung the hymn, Just As I Am? That song has so much truth. But He only accepts us as we are, but to go and sin no more. We're to come to Him as we are, but we cannot bring our sin with us. We're to go and sin no more. Just as He told the prostitute there in the Scriptures. And because our churches are doing this, I must conclude that those church leaders, listen, I must conclude that those church leaders are doing no less than that which is being spoken about here in this scripture passage. They are agreeing that Jesus would, and he has, joined leagues with Beelzebub, the ruler of demons, the devil, so that those who practice such vile behaviors can continue on with their behaviors and still be welcomed not only into the local church settings, but also into God's eternal kingdom. Folks, from all that I can know about the truths that are within these scriptures, those church leaders are some of the worst of the false teachers spoken about there. And they're being influenced by demons themselves, and they're teaching abominable heresy to those who choose to follow their path. It's just as Jesus warned us about in this passage, churches that are divided in this way. They cannot stand. And we clearly see that taking place with all the many churches that are splitting, all the denominations that are splitting. They cannot stand. Now, with all that being said, what are you and I to do? What are you and I to do? First of all, we need to make sure that we ourselves don't fall into the same traps and temptations. We're told that in 2 Corinthians 13, that we need to continually examine our own souls to see if we ourselves are in the faith. God says to us there in 2 Corinthians 13, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? Now those words, that Jesus Christ is in you, folks, they should remind you and me that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And as God's temple, we dare not, we dare not involve ourselves in 
that kind of sinful behavior, the kind that is so prevalent within our culture today. And folks, that also means that we're not to take part in advocating for those sinful behaviors. If we do, if we do, and so many are these days, if we do, even in our casual conversation, we're in danger of doing even as those sinful people do. That of denying the holiness of the Lord Jesus and placing him in a position of being in league with the devil, the ruler of demons. Now, I give this warning because each of us has a tendency to talk, to get involved in unguarded conversation about such matters as these. How often do you find yourself involved in these kinds of conversations, offering your personal opinion? Folks, I know it takes place. Some of us have friends or family members even, who advocate for such beliefs as these. I know that I have some of those advocates within my own family. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I have to guard my words and behaviors carefully when I talk to them. Now, before we close, may I caution us again that there are many ways, many ways that we can deny the Lord Jesus. And there are many reasons why we get caught up choosing to do that. And again, most often, we as believers don't even realize what's taking place until it has already taken place. That in the things that we're saying and doing and advocating, that we're actually denying the Lord Jesus. And also, we need to be careful not to join ourselves with or align ourselves with churches and church leaders that advocate for those sinful behaviors. Yes, we should, and we must witness to them privately. Witness to them the truth of the Lord Jesus privately. But we are cautioned in these scriptures to always do that with gentleness and loving intentions. But we do need to counsel with them privately. But we must not join with them, and we must pray. Pray continually for the souls of this lost and dying world. I'll close with these words. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, help us as we navigate our way through these very difficult times and circumstances of life. Help us to love you and to love one another. And to know how, on a moment's basis, how to deal with the conversation in front of us. Help us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.